This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. I am your host, one of your hosts, Mark Holcraft, joined with Father Jason Leffer. Um, and we are blessed to be in Crookston, Minnesota this morning. If you're just tuning in, uh, we're hosting in Crookston, Minnesota, in anticipation of Bishop Andrew Cousins' installation today. We had a chance to hear from him a little earlier this morning, and now we're joined with one of his classmates and good friends, Bishop Donald DeGrood. Bishop, welcome. It's great to have you. Hey, thank you. It's a privilege to be here. So we're, we're blessed because one of the unique things as we're preparing for today and looking for our guests is it's nice when we can reach out to the bishops that are in, in our area. Sure. You know, so for our listeners, if you recognize the voice, Bishop DeGroot has been on with us many times. He's the bishop of the Diocese of Sioux Falls, which is funny. So you're kind of a veteran bishop now, but how long have you been a bishop? Oh, not very veteran, about 17 months. <laughs> yeah, 17 months. Uh, but there's been uh, a couple of ordinations within our Real Presence Radio Network since then. Yes. You know, so uh, 17 months, but then um, I think it was now maybe 15, 16 months ago, Bishop Mewitt from the Diocese of Rapid City, and then now uh, Bishop Felton in the Diocese of Duluth. Yes. So uh, there's a rehaul happening in Region 8 (laughs) in Minnesota, North South Dakota. Three or four other open seas, I think, too, so there might be some more of these. Well, the Holy, the Holy Spirit's moving, and we're very excited, and we continue to see that. I know you have been a joy for the Diocese of Sioux Falls. I, can, I hear great things. Absolutely, God be praised for it. Um, and so with Bishop Cousins, so can you share with us a little bit of your history and relationship with Bishop Cousins? Sure, absolutely. So I first uh, met him <coughs> in seminary, so back in uh, 1993, when we were both starting as first-year theologians at the St. Paul Seminary. I uh, had not known him prior to that, uh, and all of a sudden God has us as classmates, and so studied those four years, and uh, just inspired by his deep spiritual life and his uh, great, vibrant spirit. He is just filled with uh, so many, uh, so much energy. Uh, one of the terms often used, just describing as he, he loves adventure, right, and, and adventure in the Lord and sharing what he experiences in his heart and his passion to help people experience a real relationship with God. So he inspired me from early on. Could you, like, <clears throat> you know, as, as a brother priest, like, we kind of have insights into what that means, but could you help our listeners understand, like, say, your relationship as, as men, as Christian men, as seminarians, as priests, and as brother bishops? Why? Why is that essential, and what what happens in that kind of a thing, and what, why do you need that to be a healthy man, Christian, priest, bishop, to just be who God wants you to be? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I'd say I've, I've learned a lot through the years, and I'm continuing to learn, right? Uh, it's so important uh, for all of us as we make our journey through life, regardless of our vocation, lay men and women, consecrated, religious, uh, clergy, uh, that we're not lone rangers. We're not in this alone. Uh, First and foremost, we need God, of course. And in that relationship with God, we also realize that the nature of divine charity or love is to fill us with the good things, and then we share that with others. So first of all, there's a call for all of us uh, as Christians, and in a particular way for us as Catholics and as clergy, 
to draw ever closer to the heart of Christ. And what's he going to do? He's going to draw us ever closer to others, as he did in his beautiful ministry, uh, really tending to those who are in need and really calling people to holiness and goodness, as God has designed for One us. One way it was told to me is you never get Jesus. There's no such thing as Jesus and me. It's always Jesus and all of his marvelous companions. Mm. Yes, so. and all of his marvelous companions. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that's part of the, the design of seminary formation is you're with cohorts, if you will. You're with classmates. And so you journey together, and it's not just academic studies. You know, it's in our spiritual life, hopefully praying for each other, formation things. And we're all learning and growing, right? So just as uh, young theologians, we come in, we stumble a little bit as we learn our way through studies and human formation, spiritual formation, pastoral outreach. So that's really how it started, right? And so when you, like anything else, when you grow with people, there can be a wonderful spiritual bonding that happens. And so whether that's in a marriage, a married couple and, and their spiritual bondage, whether it's uh, hopefully peers, uh, it doesn't always happen as when we're young and family members, right? Look at my four brothers. We probably did more fighting than loving, at least speaking for myself. Well, we could ask your parents about that. <laughs> yeah, well, my brothers would tell you, let me tell you. They would uh, tell you the other side and then do lots of laughing, of course. But that's all part of maturing, right? And so as we go through this life, it's really important that we have those companions with us in the journey, not just the companions of human friendship, but God, of course, but we also have uh, the angels and the saints. We should have spiritual companions all over the, the place. The visible and the invisible. All of it together. So then as you grow into that and then you're ordained a deacon together, you're ordained a priest together, and you're starting to live priesthood, and you can share the joys, the sorrows, the challenges, what insights, uh, because none of us have all the right answers. And none of us have all the experiences that others have. But boy, if we're listening to the heart of God and we're listening to the experiences of brothers that we journey with, God brings great things. You know, Bishop Cousins, from the beginning, was part of, of a group in the Twin Cities there. And I just, I think it's such a great model. Could, could, could you inform our listeners, what, what is that group? Are you referring in, to the Companions of Christ? There we go, yes. Sure, there we go. Sure. Yeah, what, yeah. What's the idea behind that? that yeah, the Companions of Christ, uh, I think, is, is, is really built off of, uh, and I, w I won't speak as an expert on it, but I can speak from it from the vantage point of, they really identified, they, they acknowledge that this is how God works in their life, that they need others, and they make commitments to each other as a community, and they have uh, retreats together, they have formation together, they have small groups where they're having conversations to really be authentic with each other. So not only is it a mutual support and fraternity and fellowship like meals and some of those things, commitments to that, but also good brotherly accountability, right? Yeah. Like, hey, you know, I see this good quality in you, infirm them, encourage that. Hey, you know, I see this, I observe this. So it's the sharing of their own hearts, their own experiences. They're not alone in this, but they know that they're loved by brothers who want to help them in their journey. You know, recently I was, I was visiting with a canon lawyer and he was sharing with me how you know, canon lawyers, in, in some ways, they're kind of like the liver of the, the body of Christ. I mean, they deal with a lot of unsavory things at times. Yeah. Like it goes through, they kind of filter out the, you know. And he was sharing with me how only another canon lawyer could understand. And so they would, they actually get together as a group of canon lawyers to process. And he's kind of giving me some insights on why that's so essential for them to keep their sanity. And just, yeah. and how, but without giving any trade secrets away, how... How, as bishop to bishop, how, how do you support each other in that 
particular munis or office that you share that the rest of us can't understand because we're not there. Yeah, maybe by analogy. So what I was talking about with the companions and other even diocesan priests that are not companions. So, for example, in our own diocese uh, and other dioceses where they're diocesan priests, uh, but if they have priest support groups, it'd be similar. You can have bishop support groups, if you will. And uh, it's a similar sort of context or one-on-one friendships where a few people get together and they talk about what's really going on. Right? So how are you really doing? I kind of think of the categories of, you know, as a priest, one's priesthood, personal life, and, um, you know, just how we are doing in our own spiritual journey. So how is that going for you and your family? Those kinds of things. So really your, your personal life, your, your spiritual life, and your ministry. Those kind of three categories. So similarly as a bishop, uh, we all have ups and downs. We all have different challenges, maybe perhaps different times, but we, there's also tons of people who have experience, especially for those of us as new bishops, uh, to learn from others, to gain insight. So doing that outreach, making connections with other bishops and say, hey, can you just give me some advice on this? Can you help me through this particular thing? What insights do you have? Um, and then hopefully be in, in uh, bishop support groups so that it's that place where we can be fully authentic and transparent in a confidential uh, situation to say, you know, I'm really stressed by the things I'm dealing with in my ministry, or I'm really excited about this, and we can delight with them together, right? And we can be with each other in the joys and the sorrows, just like other really healthy relationships. You know, we we only have uh, two days left in the year of St. Joseph, and Bishop Cousins was sharing with us the the heart of St. Joseph, and that he says... Uh, foster father and all, and this this need for spiritual fatherhood and w- what what kind of insights can you give to us about that responsibility of being a spiritual father as a as a shepherd for all of your foster children who are in the Sioux Falls diocese, right? Yeah. Well, there's a great saying that you can't give what you don't have. So as we look at St. Joseph, we look at Mary, you think of Nazareth, it was their communion with God and that humble sense of, hey, I'm here to serve Jesus, right, in the role you've called me to. Uh, In a similar way, we are, uh, St. Joseph is that beautiful, humble witness that when he was prompted in prayer to do something like Mary, he followed it regardless of what the consequences would be. In today's world, that's so very important because fear and other things can hold us back from being living dynamically in God and living as a spiritual father. So a spiritual father, I love the expression of when a pastor is installed, for example, as a new pastor in his parish, uh, to be a loving father, a gentle shepherd, and a wise teacher. So even if we use those, you think of St. Joseph as, right? He's, he's got that, he's that beautiful spiritual soul, and he's a gentle father. So a loving father, a gentle shepherd, and a wise teacher. St. Joseph did that so beautifully, but he's not just relying on his own wisdom and insight. He turns to the Father as we're all called to. So it's really the communion with God that enables him to let God's divine life flow through us and our ministry. Whether we're lay people, as clergy, now as bishop and shepherd of a diocese, that will be the task of Bishop Cousins. How, how does it affect you personally to see your good friend being installed today? As the yeah, you know, I, I, I'm so uh, proud of him, if that's the right expression. Uh, there's a lot of delight knowing his heart and his desire to serve well wherever the Lord calls him and his delight about this particular assignment has been so very inspiring to me so he continues to inspire me even as he as we grow through through uh, life growing in hopefully in 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 age grace and wisdom 
right? That's the goal. And I see that today. So there's a lot of delight in what God has done with him and his wonderful embrace to be assigned to the Diocese of Crookston and really desire to serve here. Well, Bishop, we're, we're nearing our uh, break. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I, I do want to just swing back briefly as you were talking about St. Joseph because yeah. you have the Cathedral of St. Joseph, right? That's the cathedral for the Diocese of Sioux Falls. It's a beautiful cathedral, but I just want to, just to share with our listeners, this isn't to put you in an awkward spot, but it was when you talk, referred to those, those qualities and characteristics of, of a good bishop and, and St. Joseph being gentle, uh, but also being, being a teacher, these things. Uh, it was beautiful to see one of the times while I was down there in Sioux Falls. You didn't know I was there. I was just praying in the cathedral before a meeting. But I saw you right in front of the shrine of St. Joseph off to the side just praying. And you just shared that that's just something you just try to do. Just put yourself in front of St. Joseph. Thank you for that witness. Thank you for your witness and just striving for that holiness. Stay with us on Real Presence Live.